0: I grind for the love of the game. With passion, determination, and drive, we strive. We grind for the love of the game. Sifting through messes in the Midwest requires a deep dive. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Projecting the Jump. Uh, For those of you listening to the audio feed, uh, we went ahead and finished the Charlotte Hornets deep dive that Nate did, um, and we're going to split this into two videos for the YouTube viewer. That way the Memphis Grizzlies part can kind of exist on its own, and that way the fan bases can hop in there and find uh, our flaws and inconsistencies and and let us know uh, what we missed. But, um, but no, we really encourage the engagement. Um, if you're an avid fan of this team, remember... We're not experts. We, we've done some studying to try to find and understand the fantasy fallout for these teams or kind of what to expect going forward. But I guarantee a lot of the listeners that find this by searching their favorite team on YouTube, you know more about your individual team, and that's awesome. So please feel free to add something in the comments if you do come across this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, even... Sometimes it's
1: nice having an outsider's perspective too. Like I, for instance, I'm a big Blazers fan and I feel like uh, I can have blind spots as far as my, you know, when I'm watching the team, I kind of put my fantasy hat off and I'm just watching it as a fan. And so I think a lot of times the, there's a national fantasy uh, analyst that has a better take on this, on some of these guys than, than somebody that's watching it every single day.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that, that definitely is true about the Memphis Grizzlies piece now. Uh, in researching this, I want to give a shout out to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Uh, it's been really helpful and interesting. Um, I've been reading some of the work of uh, DeMichael Cole, who also writes for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. So big shout out to the guys over at that podcast and to DeMichael Cole. Your work's really thorough and it's been really helpful. Um, so what I kind of took this as and if you're listening, or you, you consume the Hornets one already, um, I wanted to kind of look at some guys who are relatively obscure to me coming into the season, um, and just kind of get a better feel of like who they have been, um, so it can kind of inform what we're expecting from them. Not just you know in season long fantasy this year, but moving forward, you know, I just wanted to have a deeper understanding. So in order to do that, I combed through some of the recent drafts to get to get an idea of. You know, the young core in Memphis, I think there's been a lot of uh, ink spilled about their impressive draft resume, and, and there have been, been some hits, and there have also been some misses. So uh, I went over all of the draft picks since 2019. That was the year that Jaw was drafted, um, and I thought this was interesting, um, and I actually got this from an article from DeMichael um, Cole. Uh, so the Memphis Grizzlies initially uh, drafted Walker Kessler with the 22nd selection uh, in that draft. And then they traded him and Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky, who is the 29th pick to Minnesota for the 19th pick Jake LaRavia out of Wake Forest mm. and a second round pick. Now, you know, the the jury's still out on Jake LaRavia. I don't know if you have any LaRavia takes. He's currently out of uh, the rotation. He's injured. Uh, I think he's out for the rest of the season of uh, my memory serves me right but um I don't know I don't think that's a that's a W to this point what do you think
1: yeah I mean the fact that they, they could really just use a body uh, they really kind of needed the depth the last two seasons and so I think there's a lot of times in the last couple of years where you've kind of thought wow geez I, they're so deep I've been really curious about a Zaire Williams or whoever has been sitting on the bench and at this point it seems like uh everybody's had the opportunity to shine and yeah. if you haven't Being able to shine just means that you're maybe you're not ready to do so at this point. And and that seems to be the case with LaRavia.
0: That's well put. And it actually does fit a couple of the rotation guys. Uh, So speaking of Zaire Williams, um, that's the next one. Now Zaire Williams, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, He went to Stanford. He played one season there. It was pretty, you know, mixed returns um, the season there in college. And he ended up going 10th overall and he struggled with injuries to be fair. Um, but in fantasy, he struggled with relevancy even when healthy. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of matching, kind of researching these uh, these guys as players and as, you know, future, uh, what's their potential in fantasy. But we're going to look at it also from, through another lens, you know, through regular basketball lens here. Um, so the Grizzlies traded Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams. We know that. And another part of that trade package on draft day uh, was acquiring the 10th overall pick. This is 2021. Uh, and that turned into Zaire Williams. And then they traded the 17th pick, and that became Trey Murphy, the third. So basically, they mm-hmm. moved up seven spots to take the worst player. And in fact, I think Trey Murphy mm-hmm. has already proven to be what they still hope Zaire Williams could one day become. He can't. I, I don't see that. Um, so, yeah, a little, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, um, how big of a width is that looking at this point?
1: You know, uh, Zaire Williams, he, he was a guy that we, briefly featured on our very first podcast i don't know if you remember that uh we kind of we were looking at guys that could pop preseason. Yes, this is um, and and I, this is somebody that i was really intrigued by because because i know the grizzlies were very high on him at that right. point and he has the protos- prototypical size and athleticism and he had kind That's of had shown yeah and his rookie year they were kind of they were making an effort, you know, early in his career to get him minutes on a team that was very competitive. And they were, you know, it, it's a team in that position normally wouldn't be playing a guy that was so green. But they obviously thought enough of him at that point. And they clearly think as little of him now in that he's as not uh, is not getting any more minutes than him. he got two years ago at this point. So it's, it's a shame. I was really hopeful for him um, as a Pac-12 player. Uh, fan you know it kind of coming out uh, but uh he hasn't really shown it shown, shown any skill set that is shown to be elite at this point yet it, that i've seen
0: yeah i agree with that so the jury is still out but i just wanted to point out you know they could have had trey murphy they could have walker kessler <laughs> um we're, uh, what's interesting is their first round pick last year marcus sasser is over in detroit looking pretty good in oh. limited minutes uh he also uh, oh, really they also had, and I like Marcus Sasser. We haven't talked about him on this podcast, but let's get into some players who are performing for the Grizzlies right now. And we got to start with Vince Williams jr. Now I'll be honest. Like, what did you know when he first came on the fantasy radar? Had you ever heard of him? No, that's fair. I don't think I had either, to be honest. Um, so, you know uh, we can't hear, hear about them all before they become relevant, you know? So uh, looking into it, Vince Williams jr. He was a four-star recruit. He was uh, the number eight recruit in the state of Ohio in 2018. Uh, He went 47th overall in 2022. He played for VCU. Uh, As a rookie, he only appeared in 15 games. He played seven minutes per game. He was a two-way player. And as soon as he started producing this year, he signed a multi-year deal in January. And I looked at it. It's very similar to the Jose Alvarado deal in numbers. I think it's one of those, like, I've established myself as a role player, and I'm going to go ahead and get paid real quick. And it's kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, the status of Vince Williams jr. As far as in fantasy at this point, he's just one of the top waiver wire ads of the year. Uh, you want to guess in the last month in nine cats, uh, where we have, um, Vince Williams jr. Sitting at in the rankings. The
1: last month. I mean, he's been just terrific. Uh, ever since he's really exploded into the lineup, where is he? uh, August, uh, 80th.
0: It would be irresponsible to guess close enough to be right. He's 38th. Yeah, I know it hurts. I didn't get him anywhere. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So just let that marinate for a minute. And then I will, of course, give you the numbers. And when you kind of read them in totality, it, it, it does make sense. So the past month in nine cat, 16 points a game, 6.6 boards, 3.3 dimes, 2.4 triples, 1.3 steals, 1.3 steals just under a block, 50% from the field, 81% from the line. That's pristine. Oh, the, the block rate uh, from that position is pretty uh, outlier-y. Out of position blocks, and you know it's funny you say that because what jumped out on tape, I watched the entire uh, game. It was Grizzlies against Minnesota. It was a follow-up game to another player we're going to talk about, their breakout game against... Uh, golden state these were both on tnt and what jumped out i wrote down during the game was his the the high point on his three-point release it's so high it makes him seem bigger he looks like he's six eight when he shoots the ball uh and that really jumped out to me so he's long i don't know his wingspan in particular but he looks much bigger than his listed height uh he looks rangy so uh the block numbers maybe that's sticky no interesting yeah yeah
1: it is it definitely stood out when the when the Grizzlies cut their starting center to mm. give him a contract. That was pretty eye opening. Uh, I'd never had heard of that to so this early in the season to cut who has been to cut Bismarck Biombo uh, to sign Vince Williams so long term contract. Kind of shows you what they thought of him at that point. And it should have been a wake up for us in the you know in, in fantasy as well. It was a forward thinking
0: move, wasn't it? It was pretty impressive. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that even though they have some misses and you're always going to have misses that overall, they're, they're still a very smart franchise. Um, Let's move into the next guy. He's been around a little bit longer. He's been intriguing at times, and this is going to be Xavier Tillman Jr. Mm. Um, So a little background on him. He was a consensus four-star recruit. He was um, the number two or number one player coming out of Michigan that year, depending where you looked. Uh, And he was the 35th pick in the 2020 draft. He went to Michigan State uh, his junior year, which was his last year in college. He averaged 13 points, 10 boards, three dimes and two blocks, which did become the kind of ceiling profile that kind of has us chasing Tillman when he's when he's rolling and he has had phases. Um, So watching that same game with Tillman, what jumped out to me that I, I didn't quite know is Uh, He could put the ball on the floor, like outside the three point line and just blow by dudes. He blew by Gold Bear and got all the way to the hoop for an uncontested layup against Gold Bear, who did chase him and he couldn't get the block. And he really we we see the assist numbers, but some of the dimes he was throwing, some of the passes to cutters uh, were really nice. I really like his game. Um what's been your impression on Tillman over the years and in general, how do you view him rest of season? I know he's been in and out with a knee injury, but where are you at on Tillman this year and, and where have you been when he's flashed in the past? Yeah, it's interesting. On
1: the on the Hornets uh pod, you talked about how watching PJ Washington, you thought that he looked like a 29-year-old when he was, you know, he looked he looked a decade older than he did. I've always thought that with Xavier Tillman. I mean, when he came yeah, into the league, you're like you like that that dude's 38 year old guy like that's just like that frame that like everything about him his game looks and, like and his he's face, a, he's a, his face i mean he looks like a 15 year old <laughs> vet yeah. and uh so it's but i guess i I thought last season in, you know, even when he, he blew up, I know he blew up. Was it the first game of the season, right? He had that monster game. Uh, I kind of thought that he was more of a high floor, low ceiling guy, but he's had so many of these great games. It's just uh, you, the only thing you've been wondering is, is he going to stay on the floor? Mm -hmm. And so that's been kind of the only question mark with him because
0: he's been terrific when he's been out there for the most part. Yeah, no, I agree. I like I, I like what you said about the perception of his game is that he's a high floor, lo- low ceiling player, but he has flashed some serious nine-cat gems uh, throughout the course of his career and this season. Uh, this past month in January, his minutes really fluctuated. He averaged 17 minutes per game. So how I'm classifying him, you know, you have Williams, who I think is waiver out of the year, must roster clearly. And mm-hmm. with Tillman, it's just watch closely upon return. I also picked him up... Um, when there was kind of a minutes vacuum and he had some nice lines, and then he started kind of disappearing from the rotation here and there. Um, and he's been in and out with his knee injury, but I think you know, if he can stay on the court and get the minutes, we could have a stretch where he is a must roster player in your average 12 team, nine cat league. Yeah, it's
1: been, it's almost seemed like they've done, uh, and You don't see this too often with NBA teams. I feel like typically they just you roll out your best players regardless. But it seems like yeah. coaching staff has at times almost rolled either with the hot hand at center or done more matchupy uh, yeah. minutes with him and Santi Aldama. Yep. To because there's been weeks where you're like, well, it's clearly it's clearly Xavier Tillman's the rest of the season, and then and then three or four games in a row at Santi Aldama, uh, hitting threes and getting blocks. And then you're, you're switching back the other direction. So I've been confused yep. on what to do. Uh, I've been kind of caught a little flat footed, mistiming timing ads. Yeah. Having guys right after they've had a three game stretch a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm not quite sure any recommendation here. And so I, uh, in in general, with this, so I was glad to hear that you were
0: you were diving into this. This time, this team will do that to you. The mi- to the mistiming on the pickups because by the time you make the move, maybe you saw one line, it can be over. Santé Aldama right now is on a real heater, and I know you're an Aldama guy. I know you have him rostered in our league, uh, but he can disappear at any point. Like I I really like it tonight. Set. There you go. I didn't need, that wasn't even fresh in my mind, but uh, yeah, it's again, it's a fluid situation. I And so, especially with Aldama and Tillman, I think those two pieces are the two that I think you can have them. You don't have to have them when they're healthy, but there could be a week or two where you're like, crap, I wish it went, I wouldn't have dropped that dude. Cause he just went on a you know top 80 run. This is the guy I'm most excited to talk about Natron clean. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you might be able to guess who this is. Uh, you Know right now, he's frustrating. I sent you a screenshot and I was like, GG Jackson's ready for the podcast. He put up a one 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 today, but man, uh, this this kid, GG Jackson, five star recruit, he was 16th on ESPN's top 100 coming out in 2023 and six in 24, seven sports. Uh, he was wow, s- slipped to pick 45. Um, I'm not wow. You know, I, I think there was some maturity concerns um, and some stuff, you know, during the draft. I won't speculate on, but clearly it wasn't the talent level. Um, so wild. Uh, he ended up going to South Carolina. He got offered uh, scholarships by Duke, um, some other North Carolina, some other big schools. But he stayed in the state he's from. He's actually the, uh, the state's highest uh, recruit of all time as far as where he got to there. Um, so you know, the highest Gamecocks as well. The the South Carolina Gamecocks have never had a player who uh was ranked higher in the recruiting class than Gigi Jackson was when they got him for a season. Gigi Jackson is I can't even think of a prompt on this one because it's it's so crazy. He's not only the youngest player in the NBA, he is two years younger than the Thompson twins, who feel very Whoa. raw to me. So I really want people to keep that in mind when they're watching him and analyzing him. This is a long game approach with Gigi. Uh, Some scouts have said, including uh, the podcast I was listening to, uh, Locked On Grizzlies, and they had a scout on, uh, and he said that he feels that um, Gigi Jackson would be in contention to be the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft, albeit a weaker class. But the talent of this guy is incredible, you know, as as far as his offensive skill set and his potential, I think he's miles above any of the other players, including Vince Williams, that we're talking about. Uh, He's incredibly raw. Um, but his he has the outline of a, of a go-to complimentary piece. You know, your 18- t- to 20-point score might be a ceiling, uh, but he just, he can do it all on the offensive end. He's still improving his shooting, um, but he, he can really shoot the thing. He can put the ball on the floor. Uh, he has size. Uh, I think people are aware of him from his breakout game on January 15th against Golden State when he had 23 points with five triples. He had two boards, two steals, two blocks. Uh, I promptly added him in every league. Uh he interviewed with Shaq after the game. Nate, I don't know if you saw this. Uh but okay, it was it gave me chills. It was really touching, you know. Yeah, Shaq was just like, hey man, I'm proud of you, you know, keep keep grinding, keep uh keep doing what you're doing. We're proud of you, you know, from the big man fraternity, you know. And he just looked so happy that he, he was gonna melt. And I wondered how do you bet this because it's going to go in one way or the other. The next game, which was Thursday, so this game was Tuesday. He played on national TV again against Minnesota, and he completely fell flat on his face. He played ten minutes. He I, he looked erratic. Like he looks like the youngest player in the NBA who just got a shout out from Shaquille O'Neal on Inside the NBA. Like mm. you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued. It's been a roller coaster ever since um, in fantasy. So. What have been your impressions? I got you know a little more on him, but but what's your GG Jackson file so far? Did you know he was that highly recruited? No, I, I had no idea
1: that he was that he was that highly recruited. And and looking at his stats as as a Gamecock too, he produced there too. Yeah. I mean, he was averaging 15 points a game. The I was a little uh, a little bit more measured, I guess, with with adding him or my expectations even after that game. Smart, uh, just. The only reason being, you know, I mean, and it's hard to say because there, there is a vacuum at that position. There's a vacuum for scoring in particular. Uh, so a guy can step in, but I, I was curious and I I still am curious to see what else he can kind of bring to the table in nine cat leagues. Um, you know, was, we, we know that he has that potential to pop for scoring, but I was curious to see can he bring enough other goodies to the table to kind of make him appealing, um, I guess my initial thought was maybe he was a little bit more appealing in a points league yeah, uh, as fair. as a guy that kind of could kind of go off. But uh, as nine cat, I just wasn't quite sure if there was enough. And I think that's really common with a lot of these, with these rookies or, or just younger guys in general, where you, you, you have the talent to score, you can shoot and, but the game is kind of moving so quickly that you kind of, the auxiliary chess match that's going on isn't quite there at that, at that point. And I think that's fair. And I, and I yeah. didn't realize that he's the youngest player in the league. It's really, really uh, kind of changed my perception
0: of him a, a bit. That's reasonable. Yeah. I, I, I got really excited and it was around the time after he had that game, when there was some speculation is JJJ going to miss a chunk of time. Are they going to shut him down? There was like, I felt like the mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. that could play out could leave you really wishing you wouldn't have taken the shot. And I was left holding the bag on it, um, but it was a little too soon. But I just like this this guy long term. So for the rest of the season, I would call him a luxury stash and a potential silly season hero. Uh, in the deepest nine cat league, he's my worst player. I've held him since I picked him up that time. Uh, and I, you know, if I, you know, I'm winning regardless. This isn't a flex. I'm saying I am able to absorb his bad shooting and still win games, and that's cool. Um, and, and if I wasn't, I'd have to move on. It's a total luxury stash. But I would roster him if you can, if you're killing it in the standings. I really like the idea of just seeing what happens with this team, uh, you know, and he's not like I say, he's not a must hold. But when I see him still on my roster and I went at the end of the week, I go, yeah, sweet. <laughs> like he's one of those players. I'm like, cool. I just I just want another game with this guy still stashed. It's nice to have those guys on your roster to have that
1: thought in your mind that, OK, like if, if this guy goes down, how can I? how can I absorb this, yes. you know, like yes. wh- where's, where's my lottery ticket to kind of come back up? You know, I, I always have that concern because it, it, fantasy basketball is so much of a game of injuries and timing and trades. And so if you're, if your roster is completely healthy now, that's great. Good for you. Uh, like, but you know, it, it could totally change in two weeks. And so you, it's, it's nice to have somebody that can kind of come in and, and have a home run week or, or, two week stretch for you. And if you think that Gigi is that guy, then, uh, yeah. then, then absolutely. You gotta, you gotta keep those lottery tickets or or have those lottery tickets uh, accessible to grab and, and be be grabbing them a little bit before everybody else says.
0: I thought that point was so good. I'm actually going to ask you to expand on just the concept of um, the player that, you know, if you lose a guy, like when I lost Desmond Bain um, or, you know, you lose a top 40 guy, like, these players, you know, how did you say that that you have that are waiting to absorb that usage if everything clicks right, especially if there aren't people on your waiver wire that even have the opportunity to do that, you know, just having that lottery ticket on your roster. How did you describe that?
1: Well, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it, it, it's popularized in fantasy football as a hand, the handcuff guy. And I don't think handcuff is a real thing in, in fantasy basketball per se. I think it's, it's uh, not the smartest of strategies, but I think there, it is smart to have some of those guys that have, somebody else on the team goes down that they they're bringing you a little bit of value enough value but you can see if if something changes they're going to step into a quite a bit bigger role you know and kind of they they don't need to be uh a long season like hits but they, you know it's nice to it's so nice to have on any given week somebody that can really explode for your team if yeah. uh if if that, if that case happens. And so that that's, I think what wins leagues really is, is, or wins weeks
0: at a minimum. So are you saying in a more, in an appropriate construction where your team can absorb this up and down production, would you be more likely to hold on the GG if you had JJJ? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think that's fair. If you, if you've identified that person as the clear, as the clear winner in that scenario, if, if there's enough risk with a player like that. And I think in this case with JJJ, there's an injury concern risk. There's a shutdown risk. uh, There's enough, there's enough reasons to kind of, to think that there could be that happening where I don't necessarily think that, you know, stashing an Andrew Nemhard behind Halliburton makes sense. You know, Halliburton's missed a couple games, but there's no reason to expect an injury to strike at that point or um, to hold Peyton Pritchard just in case that Derek White goes down. But uh, this does feel like uh, there's a reasonable chance that that
0: could happen. I like that. I give it a 10% bump. Like if you're already like me and you're keen on Gigi for a silly season stretch. And again, I want to point out, unlike the Charlotte Hornets, The Memphis Grizzlies have been surprisingly competitive and they seem to have too healthy of a culture to bottom out. We'll see what happens. Actually. I want your take on that because this is your wheelhouse. Like I haven't seen a team that looks like they're ready to do what the Blazers and Spurs did at the end of the last year. Have you? It's hard because there's so many teams that are so far
1: ahead of the pack at this point. Um, And actually I'm, I'm glad that you, you, you made that, uh, like micro segue because I was, I was going to finish it off with a little bit of a, uh, talk about that in that, uh, you know, so, cause you really, you have five teams that have, that started the season tanking. And so, and they're so far ahead everybody else between Detroit, the wizards, uh, uh the Hornets and the Spurs. Um, so I guess that's four teams, but, uh, you know they're they're so far ahead of everybody else, and so I think that we're not going to see that just ridiculous tanking because there's not there's not much that anybody else can do. And 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 as you mentioned, this is supposedly not as strong of a class to be tanking for, and so it, it makes a lot more sense, especially for a team like the Grizzlies where it's yep. it's uh, yes, it'd be nice to have to move up and get one additional piece, but if if that guy that you draft is theoretically takes them a couple years to get ready you're in a much you're long term going to be much better off to come back next season when you're going to be surrounded you're going to be able to get Brandon Clark back you're getting John Morant back Um, you know you're getting all these pieces to kind of have everybody else get that that whole roster to kind of fill it out a little bit more because you had to gut it a little bit over the last couple years just due to uh, you know tax concerns and trades. So it'd be nice to kind of fill out that roster with a little bit more talent. So I, I agree. I don't think that they're going to, it just is not the organization to bottom out Um, and, and slight segue. And then uh, we get back into this. I'm going to throw out one. This is, this is, this is a segue here, but uh, one hot take. And I'm going to say that the six and 41 Detroit Pistons do not finish with the league's worst record.
0: Okay. Yeah. They've been, they've been surprisingly competitive. They've been frisky lately. Um, interesting. Uh, who, yeah. who who are you going with for that? Uh, I think I'm going to go uh, the fight in Jordan pools. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was probably going to go
1: wizards or Hornets. In fact, uh, in fact, just in the spirit of hot takes, I'm going to say the Pistons passed two teams. Uh, Let's go, there's going to be two teams with worst records
0: than that. Let's go COVID ended up and Neutron cleans totally locked in. For the people. We love to see this. <laughs> nice, man. Uh, let's touch on your boy a little bit. Uh, didn't do a deep dive on him, but a, my general take on Sante Aldama is he right now he's he's a rosterable player. You want to have him check your wire. Uh, sounds like he had a dud tonight. He's a fine 12-team hold in 9-cat for the time being. Um, he's not a must. You don't have to have him. You don't have to kick yourself if you didn't get him. You don't got to send out a trade offer for him. It's all good. It's all good. But anything to add on Aldama before we move on? Yeah, I think it's he's got the fantasy profile
1: that's friendly, and that he gives you the the threes and blocks and rebounds uh, with percentages being decent. Uh, So you like you like the what he's giving. The hard part that it's it's hard to trust what his role is going to be on a night to night thing, and the fact that he's a little bit more of a stretch player means that you you can. Those guys are prone yeah. to duds, you know. Like tonight, I think believe you went one for six. And I think that you can see those nights. But and it's unfortunate because you he followed it up, you know, the last night with such a beautiful game. So I think you you just have to be he he's a great guy to take a swing on. If you're down in your matchup, you need to take a swing. He's he's a reasonable one to take. I I still like he's a young guy. He you know, he, what, he's what is his third year in the league? He's still 24, 25. I don't know the numbers in front of me. So there's a lot of upside there. I think he still has really good season value. And I think he could continue to progress. But uh, I think as you
0: said, it uh, a nice player, but not a must hold. So I thought Dom is still 23 years old. Yeah. So Jeez. pretty, pretty young. And he's seven feet. Yeah, he is intriguing. I, I underrate the in, intrigue factor of, of Adama a little bit, I guess. Um, it's funny because Josh Lloyd, he's he's gone on record of saying he doesn't get all the fuss about Santi Aldama and the general fantasy community. I kind of lean that way as well. But I don't know, man. <laughs> like, he really does have a, fa- a fantasy-friendly skill set. So, yeah, we'll see how it pans out for him long term and keep your eye on him. Um, David Roddy, to me, is not an NBA rotation player. I don't have anything to say about David Roddy um he's got one of the better nicknames is i think i mean roddy roddy the body uh, body.
1: okay (laughs) yeah i mean like that's a tremendous nickname it's Uh, strong it was i feel like when when he got drafted at a csu it was it was one of those things where the grizzlies have been kind of known for for unearthing these kind of gems like these these guys that picking a guy five or ten picks before everybody else and everybody kind of turns their head. Yeah. Oh crap, what did we miss? Right. And then the season comes in, you're like, "Oh, turns out he was actually good. His ceiling wasn't quite as high, so we right. we passed on him, but uh, we should have just taken the better guy." And I was I would I was kind of curious if that was going to be the case with with David Roddy because he's he basically is just a power four. I mean, like he's not that big. He's an undersized yeah. player. And it, I was wondering what I was missing, and uh, weren't missing it anything. It turns out it, it hasn't really yeah. translated for He's him. He's a at
0: six point, foot so. four, two hundred and sixty pound power forward whose main skill is chucking up three point two threes a game at a thirty percent clip and shooting sixty six percent from the free throw line. So I don't know what he does. I just I'm sorry. I need to kind of uh, clear the air here on David Roddy. And it's not happening.
1: He's really six four. That's the that's the height. Oh, Isn't that man. wild, dude? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I knew he was underside, but geez, Louise. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we won't spend any much time on that. Uh, Twenty seven years old is Lil Johnny Conchar, uh, an interesting little player. Uh, you know, I think he's a good role player, real life role player. I think a contender uh, would be wise to toss out. Don't give up a first round pick for him but you know second round pick i think David already can play a little bit excuse me john conchar um f- for fantasy there's nothing except super deeply le- deep leagues he can surprise you just you know looking at his last five games you know in 28 minutes he, he had three points but he had 12 rebounds five assists and a steal and then he had uh against the heat he had an 11.10 rebound two assists one steal one block game so a low-end streamer in deeper leagues is little johnny conchar yeah,
1: between Conchar and, and Luke Kennard, um, seems like one of them gets hot at any given time and is really raining it from threes. It's, it, I think in general with the with the Grizzlies is they like to play a lot of guys, and so and they and they're all right going with a hot hand yeah. um, for a given game or a given week. So it's it's a little bit different than a few other teams where you kind of where they're a little bit more conservative they're, with their rotations, and you can find a guy and take a look. Oh, what's this guy done the last two weeks and make your pickup. I think you had to be a little bit more comfortable swinging, swinging uh, for the fences with the Grizzlies. Um, yeah. But yeah, John Kosher has been, been just
0: fine. I'm fine. Uh, one player that I wasn't prepared to talk mm-hmm. about, but I realized we should, because I think he's flashing an interesting fantasy skill uh for silly season. And that's Scottie Pippen jr. Mm-hmm. He, he, out of Vanderbilt, you know, he's only six one, but you know, as the name would tell you, he's he's getting steals and blocks when he gets minutes. He had a game against Sacramento when they pumped 32 minutes into him, 12 points, five assists, two block or two rebounds, three steals in a block. He followed that up against Cleveland with three more steals and another block in a well-rounded line. Some interesting stuff. 16, uh, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists um, in a game against Miami on the 24th of January. He's quietly putting up some nice nine cat lines. So just to finish on Scottie Pippen Jr. Yeah, the last uh, five games he has nine points, three boards, four dimes, one point two steals, and half a block. So yeah, look look at him in deeper leagues uh, come March and April, and depending on how deep your format, and if you're looking for blocks and steals, maybe this guy can help you out in a two games and three night scenario. Yeah, in regards
1: to uh, blocks and steals, uh, I was curious if you uh, had much of an opinion on Jacob Gilliard. Um, I know he's the adult. he's the college. I mean, he's the NBA, NCAA career steals leader, and he owns it by like twenty percent. I mean, it's like it's this kind of shocking number. It's like he's what Wilt is for scoring records. Uh, Jacob Gilliard is for for steals in college, and and now he's you know uh, a rookie or a second year for the Grizzlies, and so he's somebody that I was kind of he gets these minutes coming in at point guard. He's, you know, four foot one tall. And so he's, um, he, you know, he doesn't quite have the traditional size by any means, but, yeah. but I was curious if, if he could kind of provide that, uh, Jose Alvarado type, uh, role for them. Um, especially because it seems like they have the need at, at that position. And so that, that was the one guy that I've been keeping, half an eye on and then i saw tonight he got 32 minutes and he put in had big production against Gee, really? State. so yeah uh he had uh 16 points five threes five assists oh two steals and a block
0: oh my god that's interesting um, yeah, yeah I...
1: he's he's only five eight so it's uh it's an he's an interesting interesting player
0: Luckily, I don't I don't play in any leagues that dock you for the height of your team. But I mean, that's impressive. Uh, I had no idea this guy was the all time steals leader for the, for college basketball. That's insane. Um, yeah, I have given him a lot of thought. Do you realize he's six years older than G.G. Jackson? It's kind of interesting. Is it really? Yeah, he was born in nineteen ninety eight. Um, wow. So that's that's a sneaky one, man. This team is loaded with like. Just keep your eye on them, and and depending on the situation, you might be able to sneak a guy in. But that's that's a good one. Thanks for throwing him out. I wasn't I wasn't going to utter his name at the end of this Memphis dive. Yeah, it's the Grizzlies are a
1: fun team. I mean, you have a tons of respect for that organization, just their ability to year in year out, just kind of grind players yeah. like and just discover new players and and have people kind of fit the kind of fit their builds and kind of, uh, and mold them is pretty impressive. And so they uh, it's especially this season with so much uh, adversity is being thrown their way.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is giving a nice, I'm sure the scout team is not hating the situation as far as getting a look, a deeper look at some of these guys that were going to be buried. (laughs) That's true. You know, and so that's cool, man. That's a nice little wrinkle. Now, it's important to point out. So we're recording this uh, the evening of February 2nd, a Friday evening. You're probably uh, seeing this by Saturday or potentially later, uh, depending on when you found it. Um, So Desmond Bain, his uh, grade three ankle sprain. The initial timetable was six weeks. Um, That would be putting us at February 25th. He was uh, reported at shoot-arounds at practice. Was that today, Nate, or yesterday? Uh, Real recent practice.
1: Yeah, it was Wednesday's
0: practice, actually.
1: So even even earlier.
0: Right, okay. So, like, there's been conflicting. You know, it would be fairly remarkable for this guy to come back, you know, three, four weeks. I mean, there was one report that said he could cut it in half. Um, So, you know, we're not injury. We're not fantasy doctors. We're none of that. Just everything we're talking about. Would be dramatically affected by the return of Desmond Bain. My uh, two of my three nine cat teams, where he's just just sitting in IR, would be dramatically affected by him coming back. And I, I hope that all of these guys take hits. And Desmond Bain, who's back as a top twenty-five player, for my own personal selfish reasons. But um, yeah, just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, potentially we'll hop on for five or ten minutes when he does come back and just go over. You know, which one of these guys can remain streamable, relevant? Who does it affect the most? Um, that could be interesting. Not worth speculating now. I guess the one you would think could be affected the most is: Does Vince Williams Jr. go from must roster player to fringe twelve team guy? I'm not sure, um, but we keep our eye on that. But like we're all on Desmond Bain watch.
1: That's true. Yeah. The other thing we're keeping our eye on is uh, is getting a nice guitar from WinslowGuitars.com, our official guitar sponsor. Uh, head over there. Tell them the guy from PTJ sent you. Get a Get a art, piece of artwork guitar, hang on your wall right behind you on your teal wall and uh, and kind of class up your joints.
0: I'm actually planning a bachelor party uh, for one of our mutual friends. So hopefully we'll have some kazoos and and, and, and Winslow guitars at that thing. And uh, we can maybe write a jingle for the podcast um, after, you know, 36 hours of isolation in a cabin. Uh, so that that was your Memphis Grizzlies deep dive. Um you know, not too deep. They were mid-deep mid, mid, mid dives. So because We were going to cram two into one pod. So if you listen to this on its own, it's a part of a, the full audio pod, which you can find anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, so please go check out the full audio pod if you just burn this on YouTube. It's a different experience. Um, I appreciate you grinding this out. Uh, not even having the optimal laptop due to your COVID situation, and we're going to make it work. So thank you very much, um, Natron Clean. Um, this has been really fun. I do want to give the people um, a quick heads up. So I'm getting ready to head back to New Orleans. Uh, I've been out um, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, spending time with an elderly, uh, elderly parent. Um, and I'm going to be moving back out to New Orleans. So that should really have a dramatic effect on our consistency of recording. Uh, I live very remotely, and so it's been a challenge. Um, We faced all kinds of challenges. And so every podcast you see, Nate and I put a lot of thought and effort into making it work because, you know, we're committed to the grind. We do it for the love of the game. Uh, But we look forward to as, you know, trade deadline hits, all-star break, and then silly season, we're going to be able to be more consistent, and we can actually give you, okay, we're getting off here. This is when the next pod's going to come. So uh, we're looking forward to that quite a bit. Um, next, so with my traveling and getting everything ready to move to New Orleans, uh, we won't have a pod next week because I will be traveling and getting ready, finishing up uh, the job I have out here. Um, so, yeah, just a heads up. But thanks for grinding with us, and we're looking forward to being more consistent with our schedule as we get towards the fantasy playoffs.
1: Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, having some new content to talk about uh, post,
0: post-trade deadline. Oh, my God. Uh, when is the trade deadline, Natron Clean? It's yeah. the 8th. It's, it's, the- Pe- it's February 8th. It's February 8th. Okay. What I said may not be true. Uh, maybe. It's we'll... <laughs>
1: <That's>
0: so <laughs> soon. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm flying the 10th. I'm flying. the. Why fly on Delta is pretty. Oh, okay. okay yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm flying. I'm flying on the 10th. The eighth will be like um, a moving day, but Hey man, maybe we'll find a quick uh, trade deadline reaction pod. That would probably be a YouTube exclusive just so I could get it out. Keep, keep getting ready. But, uh, but yeah, we will be with you soon. Please do um, find us on YouTube. Um, you know, make sure you're following Flying J on Twitter. I always like to get down on there, projecting the jump on Twitter. Hit us up on the socials. Shout out to cheeseburger Randy Jokic, um, who's going to be getting the YouTube up on our link tree and is just a great dude. Uh, you're a savage. Um, so for Natron Clean, this is your boy Flying J. Keep grinding the waiver wire. Keep grinding the PTJ. And we will talk to you all soon. Appreciate all you. Projecting the jump. Projecting the jump,
1: projecting the jump, projecting the jump. It's Nathan, Licky, and Jay. They're projecting the jump today. Will they guess right? Nobody knows. It's a
0: podcast. It's about basketball. It's about coffee sponsoring.